is it bad? I mean, I just want the world to appreciate some decent art. Yes, Jamie. <laughs> yes. Great Come on. Right, we'll crack on. I've now got a beard matching Tom. And you, actually. I know, I haven't shaved for a long time. Hello, until... Oh, God. Hello, and welcome... Yeah, thank you. Is my microphone all right? You can hear it. That was code for yeah. I've never seen Tom this nervous. Watch this is painting us in the best picture. Yeah, sorry. Sorry, Mason. Yeah, we are totally professional. Obviously, we're athletes, so, you know... (laughs) Yeah, I'm I'm not going to lie. We thought this would be quite a dry episode. I've got three three pages of questions. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's all right. I was, like, yeah. I, was like, oh. I was like, Tom, we're going to do some padding here. It's going to be a long hour. <laughs> Pages of the stuff coming through. I've got my standard answer. No comment. <laughs> <laughs> right, let's go. All right. Hello and welcome to the Broken Trophy podcast. I'm back for another week and Stefan is alongside me as always. Stefan, how are you doing? Yeah, not too bad. I got attacked by a deer this morning on my cycle, but apart from that, it was all good. All right. Excellent. I hope you avoided it. Yeah, he was more scared than I was, I think. <laughs> Good stuff. Big, big, scary bloke, hairy in, in lycra. It's going to be like a, a deer. Yeah, no one, no one wants to go near that, to be fair. <laughs> and today we've got a very special guest. We've got the head groundsman from Lord's Cricket Ground, Carl McDermott. Carl, welcome to the pod. Morning, man. How are you? We're, we're good. Thank you. How are you? You've been keeping busy through lockdown? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I'm glad to be inside for an hour or so. It's a bit cold outside <laughs> at the moment. But the first question we had was, so when you were yeah. working in Hampshire... What was your local? Oh, <laughs> well, I lived across the road from the master builder, and right. um, but I would say I would say the West End Brewery was uh, oh. was, <laughs> was it was on it was more on the way home, so that was the regular <laughs> stop off. Oh. Oh. That's yeah. our local. <laughs> yeah, have the um, the nice questions rather than the hard questions. You're a man after our own heart. The master builder was, was, was full of old men. Yeah, <laughs> well, it was a regular West End Brewery after work. I think was the easiest uh, easiest one to go to. It's quite, that's, quite a niche, that's quite a niche question for people that listen to the pod who live in West End, but you know. <laughs> it's a niche place for people that don't know us. The Broken Trophy Podcast. Catch us on Twitter at The Broken Trophy and on Instagram at Broken Trophy Pods. So we've got, so we've got loads of questions, so we'll try and get into them. So living arrangements. I think this always kind of shocks people a little bit that, that you actually live at Lord's. Yeah, so literally I can walk out my back gate into the grounds, more or less, into the nursery ground. Um, yeah, which is good. You know, I was a bit apprehensive at the start. I was worried, you know, that work might just sort of engulf me, but it's uh, very handy, very convenient, um, nice and easy for evening watering and things like that. I don't have to drive back, like I used to, back in Hampshire. So it's, yeah, it's, it's pretty all positive, actually, to be fair. Is it a bit like the beef eaters at Tower of London? some sort of keys procession big hat all that kind of stuff no no it's not no it's not like that at all really but it's uh no it's good (laughs) i think it should be i think it's a home of cricket i do when i have a barbecue and the smoke is flying out of the back garden the uh i get a knock on the back gate from the security saying everything okay you know thinking (laughs) thinking there's a fire (laughs) oh god this is not a good sign but emma jane friend of the show she um she also asked would you rather be looking after the crown jewels or the lord's cricket pitch oh lord's cricket pitch every day of the week yeah no, that's an easy that's an easy one, that's an easy one. <laughs> i mean just on that carl i mean i'm sure you've probably got questions so apologies if i if i steal a march here but i mean the the focus that's given to a cricket pitch and the wicket in particular um, it's huge. And obviously you had to prepare last year's World Cup final pitch. I mean, there must have been a lot of pressure on you for that. 
Um, I'm not, I'm, I'm not, sorry, I'm not into Jet. There's been a sweepstake that's been done about how quickly Tom would ask about the World Cup. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's the. Yeah, I think that's that's three minutes in. The standard answer was going to be it's your first question was going to be about the World Cup cricket bit. Yeah, I get on, it please. in there. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Incredible. Um, yeah. Yeah. I haven't. I haven't really reflected on it to be honest, and I haven't watched the game back fully. Really? I've watched some clips on YouTube and stuff like that, like very very short highlight sections. Uh, um, you know that the World Cup was great; it was amazing. Um, but the whole season just sort of rolls one after the other, one after the other. Yeah. Because like every week there was something big on, be it the World Cup, into the Ireland Test, then into the Blast, which had full houses here. Yeah. Which is a big deal, big deal for the club, the the Blast, um, and then into obviously into the Ashes. So there was no real time to uh, sort of take your breath. You know, the Ireland Test was what seven or eight days after the World Cup yeah, final. True. Yeah, wow. So we had a, we had a, we had a quick drink after the uh, World Cup final, but the pubs are closed at twelve that night because it was a Sunday. Yeah, uh, and the game dragged on forever. And we and we couldn't we couldn't we couldn't even get on the pitch after the game to clean the pitch up because they were setting up for the uh, presentation. Oh, so um, yeah, of course. Yeah, but it was like listen, the whole game was amazing. The atmosphere was amazing. I watched most of it in my office on television, to be honest. Right. I only came back came back out for the last. I don't know, 40, 45 minutes or so. Uh, yeah. Probably, what, 10, over, 10 overs to go and then the, the super over stuff. Um, yeah, I suppose, listen, one of the best games probably ever, so to date. Yeah. Amazing yeah. to be involved in. Amazing to prepare the pitch for. Um, probably for my stress levels, three, three England to get 350 and New Zealand to get 280 or something would have been a lot better. <laughs> Because I'm sure I would have been the devil if England had lost on the last ball or something like that in a low-scoring, <laughs> what is now a low-scoring thriller with 240-odd on the board. Yeah, the, the result coming down the right way definitely helps, I suppose, doesn't it? Oh, listen, when the home team win, you know, there's nothing wrong with the pitch ever. <laughs> so actually, that's, that is another question we had in. Are you actually a cricket fan or just... You know, obviously, a groundsman's a skill, and it's obviously in its own right. But are you a cricket fan alongside being a groundsman, or actually, would you rather watch something else—football, rugby, whatever? No, I watch cricket. Yeah, for sure. I've always been a cricket groundsman. I haven't done anything else in terms of uh, sort of sports preparation or anything like that. So, um, yeah, it does. I'm now watching stuff at home on television, and my wife's gone mad at me saying, "Why are you watching something from 2005 again?" You know. Uh, or people, or watching people commentating on a game in 2005. Yeah. So yeah, I'd be a cricket fan. I'd, there'd always be some cricket on the background, you know. When you got the job at Lords, were you already with somebody, or did you kind of go out, you know, go out for a few beers around, you know, St John, and kind of go, I'll take you back to Lords, kind of afterwards. So no, uh, when I got the job, when I found out I got, I got the job, um, I was it was day three of a championship game at Hampshire um, Hampshire just won in two and a half or were about to win in two and a half days it was just after the India test actually and the, yeah. I think the pitch got marked below average or something so yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. it was a bit which was a bit harsh because anyway that's another story the CLO <laughs> was saying there was nothing wrong with it all along and then and then we got a below average which was in hindsight was probably fair enough but I got a phone call probably I think it was about quarter to nine that morning and got offered the job so I think whatever happened in the rest of that day was uh, insignificant. <laughs> um, but I couldn't tell anyone. I think, I can't remember how long it was before it was announced. I think it was a good a week or so. So I told my wife and my parents and um, I couldn't tell anyone else really. So 
I think it was the following Friday it was announced, so we all went out for a beer that night. Oh, well. So, yeah. so, so you haven't used the fact you're living at Lords to pull to pull girls in. <laughs> <laughs> My wife wouldn't be happy with that, would she? <laughs> Good answer. Good answer. <laughs> okay, somebody else has asked. Which, um, so I was I was lucky enough to go on a works thing to to Lords. You know where they kind of open up some of the rooms and you can stare at the pitch rather than listen to the conference. But um, do you prefer it empty or full? Um, full. Yeah, definitely full. Yeah, um, they were using the World Cup as an example. It was such a diverse, non non usual Lords crowd. You know, the atmosphere yeah. was amazing. Um, Pakistan played Bangladesh, and that was that was unbelievable. Really, you know, to see the color and the fancy dress and things that you don't normally see at Lords yeah. uh, was good. But then you get the uh, the sort of buzz of a Test match as well, which is the low hum of everybody sort of chatting and popping champagne corks and all the unique things that happen here. Um, definitely full. Now that it's quiet. Well, quietish with the stands being built. You just sort of do look around and think, you know, this is pretty cool to be honest. And uh, it's easier when when there's no one here. It's a lot easier, and no one bothers you, which is even better. Okay, we've asked everyone we've had on the pod, what's what's your best bit of memorabilia? So you must obviously you must borrow a couple of kind of come past. Yeah, no, no, I don't really collect anything, which I'm going to regret. I think when I get older, (laughs) Um, probably my best, uh, 1999. When I was working in Ireland, uh, we had a cricket World Cup game at my club. West Indies played Bangladesh, so yeah. I've got a stump. I've got a stump from that, and I think to date, even with the World Cup final and the Ashes and all that, uh, I think that's probably my favourite game I've prepared a pitch for. To be honest, that'd be my career highlight. Oh, really? What was it about? What was it? To turn to turn a club ground around and into you know we had three and a half, four thousand people there into sort of a mini stadium. Yeah. Um, with temporary seats and television and it was, you know, it was all new so I just think that was the build up and then delivering the way we did as a club was, was pretty amazing really I, know, I, I mentioned before the pod about you know, I, quite, I quite like your jacket with the, uh, the MCC <laughs> on it and you know, we, we've been asking everyone who's had on the pod you know, what's your reaction to free stash I mean if, they, you know, if the MCC bring out, bring out a whole new set of kit you know, <laughs> are, you, are you straight in there snaffling what you can or uh, well, I'm, I manage the kit for the ground staff, so I normally do oh, okay out of it. You've got the golden kit. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I know. Uh, yeah, no, it's all right. Everyone loves a bit of stash, don't they, really? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Oh, 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 when I first moved over to the UK, I, was, I worked at Worcester, and we got some good kit that year. I remember that for sure, yeah. <laughs> you, you were looking after it. You don't, you don't want to get it dirty, do you? Because uh, no. you think it's pretty nice. Now, well, I'm not really bothered. <laughs> <laughs> what's your Carl? What's your rapport like with um, with the players? I suppose in particular the captains. Do they come in? I mean, especially at Middlesex, obviously the Middlesex skipper and, and and the senior players, but also when England come into town. Do you have that rapport? You know, like, oh, you know, what sort of a wicket have we got this week? Kind of thing. Do you, do you sort of have chats along that line? Those lines. Um, sometimes um, it depends who's, who's here. Really, to be honest, mm. the England England players sort of tend to sort of keep their distance a little bit. To be honest. Hmm. Um, I'd obviously I know Owen quite well so we'd, we'd regularly chat on the day or the day before when he was here but I think there's a difference between it seems to be you know the English guys and the county guys the county guys seem more interested in the pitch right. they'd ask they'd certainly ask more whereas the international guys I think because they're, it's drummed into them that they're not allowed near, be near the pitch and it's roped off and there's always somebody watching them that they just sort of stay away really um, I'm always available, but I don't really hang around at the middle of match morning. I just sort of 
sit around the boundary and if anyone wants to come speak to him, I'm always available. Uh, the coaches probably I'd speak to more than than the players on match days or day or, or practice days before then. Um, I guess, yeah, I guess that's what that's what's quite interesting. So I'm not a cricket kind of person, but in most other sports, you just turn up on your pitch and broadly it's the same yeah you know, it might be a little bit quicker or whatever but broadly it's the same sort of pitch and i think yeah. that's what that, that's what kind of interests me with cricket is you know you'll, you'll see the sky guys out on the pitch beforehand talking in innate detail about christ knows what and it's you know for, for non-cricket fans it's a bit kind of like well, why is that pitch different to this pitch and why you know it's a real i guess a technical thing for cricket but potentially also a bit, a bit of a barrier definitely and I think the good thing about a cricket pitch is, you know, everyone has an opinion on it. And yeah. um, be, be good or bad for a groundsman, by the way, uh, you know, what they say on TV or what a player says in the press seems to carry a lot of weight nowadays. And um, some me biting back or someone else biting back, you know, it probably just looks like a little bit of sour grapes. But, you know, sometimes it's disappointing when a pitch you put everything into gets slagged off. But it, to be fair, it comes with the territory. It's part and parcel of the game. Um you know, it doesn't overly bother me, but, you know, it's disappointing when you put a lot into a pitch and, you know, someone who might have got a good ball and think it's a pitch or yeah. whatever like that, you know. But that's, listen, that's part of the game. And I'm assuming if you win, if you if you win, it's a great pitch. If, it's, if you lose, it's not, a bit, it's not a good pitch. Definitely. As I said, the home team win, there's never any issues, you know, and um, it doesn't matter how good or bad the pitch is then, really. I mean, just, uh, you sort of touched on it earlier in terms of how much cricket you have at Lord's. I mean, how, how, how long does it take to produce a pitch? And, you know, and I guess you're putting, the same, you're putting the same effort and same work into each pitch that you prepare, right? Yeah, like, definitely. So I guess, Tom, because we, we have quite a few questions about this, actually, from non-cricket fans asking, mm. how do you actually make the pitch? So what's the, is, is it just the same grass across the whole outfield and you just cover one bit to make it the, you know, the dark? You know, to kill the grass off or whatever. So, what in, in idiots' guide type territory? What, what you know? What is the role of the groundsman? I guess in making the pitch. Yeah. So, you're right. Though, to be fair, every pitch we treat the same. It's just um, you know the, the different levels you're playing at, be it a county game or a test match or an MCC club game. We still put the same effort and and uh, concentration into those pitches. It takes. It, it depends who you speak to. But me, I work off sort of. 10 to 12 day cycle to prepare a pitch um, depending on the weather early season it might take 14 days you know just to get that, that pitch out um, you've got to you know you're playing with you know, you've got the square we allocate pitches during the year so we move around from pitch to pitch to pitch to, to uh, keep the wear down but it's generally in, this, in simple terms we water it to get water down to a depth we then uh, we then roll it so people roll for various times a day could be 20 minute blocks could be an hour or so a day and then it gets dry we ease off in the rolling uh, the reason the grass turns sort of white is you're sort of stressing the grass out you're cutting it a bit shorter as well so once the roller runs over you sort of you know you're squeezing the life out of the grass to uh, sort of get that finish on it sounds simple. It's it's an easy game. Anyone can do it. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. So, so when so uh, honestly, it's, it's amazing how many questions we've had about this. So there must be a lot of people who who watch cricket like me, kind of socially. You know, it's on. You'll put it on. It's in the background, and you'll kind of come in if you hear a cheer. Or in my case, I live behind the Aegeus, so you hear a roar out of the garden. So you come in and see what's happened. The um, there's lots of talk around the pitch being fast, slow. 
mm-hmm. um, yeah, the state of the pitch and everything else. And it's, I guess I guess it's quite tricky for some people, to, or me included, to kind of understand quite what they're going on about. So when it's it, how how would you make a pitch faster or slower? Is that the, the amount of water in the pitch or? <clears throat> so the challenge that you know you're so dictated by the weather. You know it's if you if you have an overcast ten days, it's not going to dry it as much as if you have. 25 degrees for 10 days um there's, there's different you know the sort of different methods you're using then you know, um can you yes you can make a pitch quicker but you know i think your stuck lord will have a different square so hampshire will have a different square to old trafford and um, they'll always talk about old trafford being quicker um and because they're just built differently with different soils and, and things like that and uh Hampshire, for example, was all the squares are built the exact same from the main ground to the nursery ground to the three net blocks, but all you know behave differently. Why? Who knows? Prepared the same, same grasses, and wow. um, everything has gone into it. So you know, if I think if pitch preparation was an exact science, everyone would be knocking out belters every week. But uh, but you're not, and the fixture schedule as well is difficult because. You know, you could have a four-day game going on at the same time as you're trying to prep the pitch for the next week after. So you're then limited in time you can spend on the pitch. So there's a yeah. lot of different, a lot of different factors that go into it, and that can work for you or work against you. The Broken Trophy Podcast. Give us a follow on SoundCloud and on Apple Podcasts. And it's, it's interesting because we've had a person um, get in touch who he's part of a cricket, a, a, um, a golf club, and he was part of the committee whatever it was to decide what grass to put on and he said you know he thought it'd be a half hour meeting rock up and you know it's grass and yeah. you know, four hours later they're talking about the technicalities of one grass seed over another and he said you know it's four hours he won't ever get back but, no um, there's, there's, a, there's a book produced about every year about that thick with different grass seeds in it and uh wear and suitability and things like that is it is, is it a best is it a bestseller or uh so yeah we, yeah, we sort of yeah, we put four mixes together, which right. generally are the four top top mixes, and then mix them into one grass seed. So, um, but you know, say some of the grass seed that work here may not work somewhere else. So again, yeah. it's geographical at times. Because wow. um, because yeah, because um, Dan um, who's a big Hampshire fan, was kind of asking around art versus science with the groundsman. He, he gets the feeling, or he got, he got the feeling that previously it was much more art that you know you just kind of knew the area, you knew the ground, you kind of yeah that that feel. And how much science has come in, especially again, I guess, with golf, where you know their courses are worth billions and billions, kind of thing. Yeah, there course. is. Yes, science is coming into it, but it's again, it's not an exact science. We um, we measure for hardness and moisture levels. We've got machines for that, and we'd have I'd have a target range where I want to get to to know that you know it's going to be okay there, really. Um, but for example, if my hardness reading here was two hundred and fifty on one pitch and 250 on the next pitch, they might still play completely differently. Why? Who, know, who knows? And the 250 here uh, versus the 250 in, I don't know, Headingley might be, might complete, be completely different things too. So um, there is science, but there's a lot of touch and feel. I'm a touch and feel kind of guy, really. Um, I want to know what's gone into it and, and how it's been prepped and, and not just rely on numbers and a piece of paper. Okay, cool. <laughs> the questions really are quite random. That's <laughs> okay. So, so, so I'm, I'm going to guess the, the view of this person. So what's your view about people cutting the grass in those kind of knobby patterns 
at football matches and stuff. So, you know, oh. like normal straight lines, and you've got your kind of weird circles and that shit. Yeah, no, I don't. I, yeah, no, don't like that. I like <laughs> standard, standard checkered. To be fair, when I when I came here, one of the first things that somebody said to me, I think a committee member maybe, because you're not going to change the patterns on the outfield, are you? You know. <laughs> So I said, no, no, question. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, somebody else has said, um, so you're watching, you know, you're watching England play, say, at Lords, and you're in your office looking at the screen, and someone's gone for a catch, but in going for the catch, they've taken like a massive divot out of the grass. Yeah. How how angry are you on a rating scale of one to ten? No. Yeah. Years ago, I probably wouldn't bother by it, but now, no. To be fair, most of them put it back anyway. But now we just go ahead and repair it afterwards. I think. Football on a cricket outfield really used to get on my wick, you know. I mean, I still am anti it, but it's so hard to make to stop them from doing it nowadays that you just got to sort know. of suck it up, suck it up a little bit. The injuries seem to be helping that. Well, yeah. Luckily, here at Lords, we they're asked to play football on nursery grounds, um, and they do, except for match morning. The England guys might play, have a little kick about, but I think they're banned now anyway. So, yeah, they're um, nothing, yeah. Um, but to be fair, here it's they are quite respectful, so uh. Yeah, but football, I don't know, you're right. Injuries and everything, I don't know why they do it. Yeah. There was a few at Hampshire when I was there. Yeah. More than one. Really? L- yeah. Well, Lummy was one, wasn't he? Yeah. Okay, that's broken ankle. Yeah, I think he might I think he might have broken his ankle or something, maybe. <laughs> Fidel Fidel injured himself as well, I think once. Oh, right. um, yeah. Well it can't have been catching based on the last part. they <laughs> <laughs> no. the football injuries don't tend to come out, you know. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah. I think I think there's possibly other excuses given for those yeah. two injuries. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> other reasons. <laughs> um, and I think we've, we've had quite a few comments around, and I guess I also find this slightly comedy. Are you one of the people that carries the sheet over when it rains? Oh yes, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't. So I don't stand. I don't stand there and point. <laughs> so what? So what is, is, it, is it? Is it? I guess we've had a question about this. You're running in holding the you know, your big old sheet. I'm sure that that's more of a technical term for it. And then yeah. um, you know someone falls over because you know it's wet underfoot. Are you leaving them or waiting and picking them up? <laughs> leaving them, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. They they get they get left behind. So we have a hover cover here. So it's it's they have one in Hampshire now as well. So it sort of floats out. It's uh, it's on two big fans and it sort of goes out like a hovercraft. And luckily, we don't need to pull too many sheets because that goes out and then we, we flip the sheets off the side. But uh, one of the lads here actually tripped up and the hover ran over him. But he just kept his head down. And uh, this is before my time, my dad. But he just he- head down and just floated over the top of him. Oh, wow. But yeah, there's been people, it has happened, you know, people have been or pulled up in high winds. People get pulled up in the air five, six, ten feet. Wow. You know, so it's, it is quite a windy circumstance, it's quite dangerous. Well, um, do, do you, I don't know if it sounds like a stupid question, but do you practice doing that? Because, I mean, obviously, do, in a match day, you've got to get on there rapid, haven't you? Yeah. Um, like a Formula One team. Yeah. Time, no, yeah. <laughs> we, we get extra people in for the test matches and things, like the right. young cricketers would help out, but we haven't got time to practice, but they'd be with a senior member of staff and they'd be all told what they have to do and, it's nearly a buddy up system, you know, saying, or right, stick by X right, and yeah. just do what he does. Because if I'm 50 feet away, you can't hear a thing during no. a test match or an ODI. Um, so, yeah, everybody knows what they're doing. Put it that way. And On a day to day basis, our, my team, it's like second nature to them. Yeah. I guess that is, pro- <clears throat> excuse me, that's probably 
you know, your worst case scenario, isn't it? When you've got a game on, especially a high profile one, and there's weather in the area and you sort of stop starting. It's, it must just be a nightmare for you guys. It's a total nightmare. And you don't want to, <laughs> you don't want to look like a dick on television either, you know, <laughs> pushing the covers on and off and not getting it right, <laughs> which has happened before, you know. <laughs> they're always, they're, you know, you're, you're going to be that gift when you fall over and slip on your ass, you know. Yeah, question, yeah, they, of, question of sport, what happened next? Yeah, or, yeah, or yeah, yeah, exactly. Bumble, Bumble replaying it and commentating over your, over your yeah. slip or something yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know, you shouldn't, be think, you shouldn't be worrying about that, but you do. <laughs> <laughs> we've, had, we've had a question as well about <coughs> the kind of, if you've got a break in play or whatever, you always see the groundsman coming out with a big old, you know, shovel or spade, and you're kind of, a fork even and you kind of it looks like you're kind of just randomly prodding just for the sake of it because you're out there and you know you're, you're, you're yeah. a little busy are you actually you, what are you actually doing actually yeah well so the umpire is like sort of the batting ends and bowling ends swept up and and the white line remarked back in so that's what we do every break i don't know why because the, the umpires don't even look at the line anymore <laughs> that's <so crazy. laughs> is there yeah. any is there any bowler or batter for that matter that it's like a bit of a serial offender that if, if they're if they're playing on your pitch, you're just like, oh, they're going to tear this thing up. Kind of thing. Um, there's some big lads, yeah. Oh, and David Balkan was he was heavy footed, right? So he he di- he dig a big hole, but it was, you know it's manageable. And then Jonathan Trott used to scratch yeah. long long mark, but yeah. it, to be fair to him, it was very very tidy. Right. Um, <laughs> it was just it was that straight white line or straight uh, straight line in the ground, and then wicket wicket keepers are good ones for scratching around behind the stumps. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think the worst bits is I think when fielders are fielding on the boundary, right in front of you, and they make a scratch in the outfield. You know, yeah. professional players don't know where to stand when they're a hundred meters away from the bat. You know. <laughs> yeah. That that'd be that'd be one thing that would irritate me. They get a stare there. Really. <laughs> Um, and maybe a cough, a cough or a whistle. It depends how close they are. <laughs> do, you, do you carry a whistle? You should. You should. Stop. Yeah. <laughs> or it, it's when the and the captain says move five yards to the left, then he makes another scratch five yards <laughs> to the left. I so hope now the next the next match at Lords, someone does it right in front of you and just looks at you. <laughs> yeah, it probably will be. The Broken Trophy Podcast. Catch us on Twitter at the Broken Trophy and on Instagram at Broken Trophy Pods. Okay, we've got um. Oh, actually, a technical question. So sorry, it's just bringing the tone down of the podcast. I just, I just, I just make these things up as I go along. Oh, that's great. Don't worry. We were, you know, we don't know any better. So it's great. So what's got on here? The square always looks different to the outfield. Is it a different type of grass? It is. Yeah, it is here. Um, without without boring you, so the square is is a one hundred percent rye grass. Um, and the outfield here is about 80% fescue style, which is nearly like a golf green. Oh. So they, they wear differently. Um, the fescue grass wouldn't, wouldn't survive in a cricket square. It would just die off under the wear and tear. So the rye grass is a harder wearing grass. That's why it's on a cricket square. What's your, what's your evil predator of the pitch? You know, worms, moles, geese, rabbits? What's uh, wor- worms. Yeah, worms are pretty bad now. Since there's no chemical to uh, keep them away now, so we just got to we just got to live with them. So you're permanently picking them or brushing them up or picking them up with a fork and things like that. So yeah, it's a it it can be backbreaking. The hamstrings you feel the hamstrings when you got to walk the square and on a wet winter's day to pick them up. Really? Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. That's just that's sounds, that sounds like hell. <laughs> it is hell. 
It is how. You want to get a few yeah, kids on. involved, so you know, bring bring yes. our kids onto the square. They would absolutely love picking all the worms out. I reckon. Steph. They would. They would. Yeah, they would. Yeah, they would. It's it's not. They're not. They're not. They're not too bad to be fair. But you know, you could easily pick on a on a on a wet winter like we had half a bucket a week. You know, so really? that's a lot of wow. casts. Not the worms. The worms don't come up, unfortunately. You know what? Find find, find a local school. Get them. Yeah. 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 Come to Lords of the Day. Be, be Slave labour. Yeah. It, wouldn't look, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't look good, would it? That's true. <laughs> Come to the home of cricket. You'll be fine. <laughs> I must say, actually, we've had loads of comments about your Twitter feed being amazing. People absolutely... Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. It's, I'm running out of things to do now, really. I'm, I'm trying to think of different things every day. Um, <laughs> I did want to ask, so. actually, because obviously, you know, through isolation, you've been, um, you know, you've been obviously at Lords, prepping the pitch, doing as much as you can and stuff. Pretty intense at, at times. I mean, some of the piles of grass you've had to shift, pretty, presumably on your own at times. I mean, it must be pretty hard work for you on your own. Yeah, that was that was a schoolboy error there. But by starting starting that job, really, when I when I knew when I knew the lads could be like not in the following week was uh, yeah that, that lack of experience there on my behalf. <laughs> I think I think the I think the funniest bit about that was Matthew Hoggard tweeted that why did you dump the grass there? That's a ridiculous place. <laughs> And I go, where else am I supposed to put it? Getting get trolled by Hoggard about where I dump a bit of grass. Yeah, it's not it's as though you've got great. a compost heap at the side of the pitch, really, is it? No, no. So, yeah, but it's all, you know, people have asked me, I think physically, manually, I'm working harder, but my stress levels are way, way down now, you know. Not, right, yeah. not, not having to think about pitches or what's coming up and things like that is, is good for the mental health. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, all I'll say is there's quite a lot of lawnmower porn on your Twitter feed. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm running out of things to do. I'm, I'm trying to think of different things every time. I didn't think I'd go on this long. <laughs> yeah, now, now you've started, though, you're screwed. You've got to keep going. You know, your your, your I know. fans are waiting for you. Yeah, well, fans, yeah. <laughs> I, think I, only, I only really did it to sort of maybe help out the club grounds and say we're all in the sort of same boat, really, to be honest. And no matter what level you're at, the problems are mostly the same, really. What, um, I mean, obviously, sorry, we're obviously in the very early stages talking about possible cricket later in the summer. I mean, if you, I suppose you've got as much information as we have in terms of when that may be, but um, are you starting to sort of factor, are you, are you sort of continually factoring that into your planning with the pitches and stuff in terms of when that we might be some cricket later in the summer? Yeah, so again, you're right. I, I know as much as you, so I only really pick up the bits that are in the press or we get little whispers now and again, but it changes daily and my I think one day we're going to play some cricket and then the next day I think we're not mm. purely because of what's going on in other sports you know the footballers getting twitchy now as well and mm. I can see that filtering down to cricket possibly if things aren't done right yeah. but I think the way we've the way I've always planned it and the club have planned it is we'll, we'll be ready to play cricket in two weeks you know if if we're told in two weeks we have a game we're in a position that we're, we can always do that so that's the sort of thing I'm planning on day to day, presuming that there'll be a cricket match in two weeks. Yeah. Obviously, at the moment, we know there's nothing before July the first, but we're sort of nearly, nearly always ready, if that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. So we had quite a few questions about actually just, just not just being a groundsman. <laughs> so we've been asked, what makes a good groundsman? Is it is it is it making a farmer's field playable, or is it making lords like one percent better? Um. Oh, yeah. There's more of a challenge in making the farmers feel playable. There's no doubt about that. Um, Lord, making Lords better, that's difficult in one sense because that's such a high level, but there's always improvements that can be made. Um, 
what what will be easier for me? I don't, I don't know. I want to say making Lords better would be easier for me, but some people, some other people might have different views on that. <laughs> okay. But I think what makes a good, what makes a good groundsman is commitment. You know, it's it's yeah. it's not a well paid job, and it's long long hours, and not many kids are coming into this industry now, unfortunately. And the ones that come in have to be really really um really really committed to the job, and you know. It's it, you know looking at golf for example you can go to work at six and be home at half two uh, you haven't got that luxury in cricket um, so you need you really need to sort of you know be committed to the game be committed to the process really yeah I saw on your Twitter feed at the start of lockdown you you put a message out for sort of club um, club cricket groundsmen uh, you know just some advice on how to sort of manage that and some of the advice you've talked about about being ready for a game within two weeks and all that kind of stuff. And I just thought it was a really like generous thing to do. Obviously, you're in a great position, you know, great position. I know you've worked your way up to that position, being the head groundsman at Lords. But giving back to the game, I mean, do you, are you sort of big on that? It's important to you, sort of, you know, almost like a cricket groundsman community, almost. Yeah, very, very much so. Like, I still consider myself a club groundsman. That's where I came from. Um, that's where you know where I started, and that's where I got my passion for what I'm doing. But as I say, the, all the problems we have, you know, are very, very similar. You know, if it's if it's issues with worms, if it's if it's this, and you know, sharing information, you learn more from sharing and speaking to other guys than you do from reading in a book. So, I think, you know, I put that post out just to sort of help people out. But I got a great response, plenty of messages, plenty yeah. of questions. I still do, and you know, I, I answer every every question I get, um, unless I unless I forget. Uh, but. Yeah, just to worry you, know, you, 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 you've just had a tweet literally seconds ago from Jenna asking <laughs> asking for advice on turning her back garden into a cricket uh, pit. Yeah, <laughs> so, well, waiting for my, you off the pod. My back, gar- my, my back garden when I lived at, uh, in, at Hampshire was uh, all decked. My back garden here is all paved at the moment, so yeah, <laughs> I'm not much of a gardener. I'll tell you that for nothing. I assumed you would be. Okay, so Mark, Mark, Mark Maslin asks, which sport has the best groundsman? And is there competition between the groundsmen of different sports? No, uh, I'm totally biased with cricket. Cricket have the best, no, it the most. I think cricket is the one that needs a lot of skill and knowledge and experience. Um, if if a football groundsman came and said, "Here you go, prepare a test match pitch," you know, if they'd never don't known cricket before, they wouldn't know where to start. No. Um, whereas. You know, if I went to play a football pitch, I'd like to think I could knock something out that would be fit to play on. Um, cricket's the most difficult, most challenging, in my, in my view, for sure. Uh, we had the Wembley, Wembley guys came around for a look at the oh, yeah. end of last year. and um, Some of them had never done any cricket groundsmanship at all. And I think when they walked into the media centre, they just all went, wow. And that was, you know, to get that wow. from the guys that work at Wembley, you know, I was pretty, sort of put the hairs up in the back of my neck, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. And I thought that was pretty cool. And a couple of the guys were fascinated about the work and the time that goes into just preparing a pitch for one game. And, you know, they they couldn't believe it really. So I think that was a really good insight uh, for guys in football. And I think, you know, we do cross over a lot now. We go to seminars and things like that. And, you know, being the world that is now with social media and stuff, I think a lot of guys know each other now. And And we do try and share each other's where we can ideas. So, so Dan Philp asks, if you could be the groundsman at any other venue in the world, sport, uh, any sport, 
where would you pick? Ooh. Obviously, Lords excluded because you're already there, and you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, cricket wise, I think probably the MCG. That'd be a good challenge. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> uh, and, and another sport. I don't know, really. Maybe Cheltenham. That'd be pretty good. You know, oh, race yeah. course. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, no, I couldn't probably sit in the stands and watch it then. That's the only problem. <laughs> um, but I, I, I'm, I'm sort of fascinated by other, other sports with brands and how they manage things and how it's all changed over the years, really. You know, it's a lot more professional now than it was. Back in the good old days when I first started. <laughs> well, so we, someone's asked us, um, is there a cricket hierarchy of groundsmen? So at a seminar, do you walk in, everybody else bows down to you? Or they carry you in <laughs> on the bed or something. How's <laughs> it work as a, a groundsman seminar? Uh, well, after they bow down and stand up, uh, when they <laughs> greet them. No. Uh, the, head, the head groundsman, uh, we, all, we all meet. Well, we, check, we have, actually have a Zoom meeting later on today. Oh, so cool. we, only, we only meet up um, physically once a year with the ECB just after Christmas for the head groundsman meeting. And then we also meet as a as a group with all our teams, we have a dinner uh, in October generally that ho- that are hosted by the ECB, oh, nice. um, and we and we just meet up and you know talk. We're we're a very friendly group, very honest. We speak a lot to each other. We share ideas, not like in the old days where you know the head grounds are wooden wooden shat or wouldn't share many ideas with each other. But we're, we all want to see each other, you know, do well. We don't want anyone to sort of get slagged off on TV or in the papers or anything like that. Oh. And if anyone does have a bad day, you know all the lads are on the group or ringing up saying is everything okay you know if you need anything give us a shout so at the moment we're sort of meeting up weekly on zoom just to go through how we manage furloughing but no staff you know preparing for cricket coming up um, and things like that just sort of or moaning wouldn't you? we're a great group for moaning the whatsapp group just... <laughs> the broken trophy podcast give us a follow on soundcloud and on apple podcasts have you ever been asked to prepare pitches by management or captains or whatever in a certain way? And, you know, how, how do you manage that? Is that, is that achievable? Like if, if a team want a, a quick pitch, are you able to do that? Does that happen? Uh, it, yeah, it happens. Definitely for sure. Um, I personally haven't been involved in anything like that, but I know other, other groundsmen that have been, and it's, it, it all depends how far you want to push it. Mm. I think, you know, with the toss been taken out of the game, I know it's back now, but recently I think they were trying to stop people, you know, preparing green tops really, for example, you know, to bring in the medium pace bowlers into the game a bit more. Mm. Um, there's there's a personal a personal thing for, for me. You know, you don't mind helping out, but if if you think it's going to push the boundaries a little bit too far in terms of the pitch possibly getting marked poor, I think that's... That's the biggest groundsman's fear, and yeah. the team will then get dock points. It's you know who takes who takes the fall. Uh, does that director of cricket or the coach say put his hands up? Oh, it was me. I told him to do that. Mm. Unlikely that's going to happen because then you're admitting guilt as a team. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, you know the, the groundsman then has taken the fall, and you know and obviously being employed by your club, you couldn't end up well. You know. That's, that's rubbish. <laughs> the, the coach told me to do it, happen, or, or whoever told me to do that. Yeah. So I don't think it happens as much anymore. I think Somerset is obviously the obvious example of the recent few years, and but they, you know, it's it's home advantage as well. So there's 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 sort of two sides of it, and I think yeah. if you have the backing of your of your club and 
you know they're gonna they're gonna support you you know helping them out to a certain extent I think is pretty good luckily at Lords you know our aim is always to produce the best pitch for a game of cricket you know and be be fair for bat and ball so that's quite a nice little blank uh, canvas for me um, and and obviously with Middlesex not employing me either um, you know they 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 just sort of play what, what they're given on really you know to a point but we obviously yeah, want yeah. Middlesex we want Middlesex to do well there's no doubt about that yeah, yeah. yeah of course so um, all the all the cricketers we've had on have all talked about kind of lunch or tea or whatever it is at Lords being the best thing in the world you know, they're, they're basically rolling down the steps for the second half yeah. or whatever it is. Um, have, have you been able to have one and how good is it? Uh, I have had one or two. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they normally wheel it over to my office at lunchtime. No, they don't. No, they don't. They don't. They don't. <laughs> so on, um, I suppose my first experience of the players' dining room was uh, uh, when I first started. The Middlesex players cooked us... Uh, lunch around just before Christmas so we all went up and had a three course meal uh, cooked for by the Middlesex young lads oh, nice. obviously supervised by the chef the players dining room chef by the way so we weren't poisoned or anything but that was quite nice Gus Fraser walk around with the, the bottles of red filling up everyone's glass and things like that nice. and when you go into the players dining room there's always what three starters three mains three desserts the choice is endless um, and on the on championship games, we tend to get our meal from there as well. We can go up and eat there, but I tend to bring mine down and eat it eat it down by pitch side, really, just in case anything goes wrong. It's a long way oh. away yeah. from a broke from from a broken stump or uh, trying to get the covers on. Yeah, I suppose, but, uh, yeah, yeah, they, yeah. It's yeah, it's pretty. It is pretty good. It is pretty good. Oh, jealous, jealous. Got it. Yeah, I feel like how kind of pro sportsman can have a three course lunch, and then go back out for second half. I know, <laughs> like it's, like on a Sunday, it's always a roast. So you know, oh, because, oh, 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 oh. it's 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 crazy, really, when you think about it. Um, <laughs> a roast and a crumble. I love it. Yeah, we spoke to a rugby yeah. player last week, didn't we? And they were just like, no, we couldn't do it. <laughs> no, and I think they all they all get bacon butties and stuff in the morning and things. So they must be full as anything. Um, <laughs> Love it. Yeah. Nice. The other the other good thing about working here is we get to have Christmas lunch in the in the long room, you know, as wow. a staff. So that's uh, that's pretty cool. But did, what the, the Christmas <laughs> lunch in the long room? Not on Christmas Day, obviously. But no, no, for but... the st- our, our staff Christmas party isn't. Yeah, lunch in the long room. Well, that tops any work, dude. Doesn't <laughs> yeah, it really? no, it does. Yeah, it does. And it also, does. you can just stagger home. You can just stagger <laughs> yeah. home. Yeah, yeah. Observated. You must. Yeah. You must be. There must be at some point you're running across the running across the pitch <laughs> naked or something. There must be. Nah. <laughs> like a hazing thing. Nah. When you start, you've got to run across. <laughs> um, I haven't, haven't done it yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. May, maybe in twenty years' time, when Ireland win the World Cup or something like that, I'll do that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I so wish you said yes, then. Anyway, um, <laughs> and, then, and then I guess so. Thank you so much for, for for answering all those questions. You've actually got quite a few tweets waiting for you for people to try and help them with their back gardens. Uh, <laughs> genuinely, quite sorry. Um, so we always finish off the pods. People have been raising different sports, not a sport. Do you want to get your take as to whether the following is sports or not a sport? Yeah. Okay. So um, this is a lockdown one. Someone who's stuck at home with their kids quite a lot. She's now thinking that Uno should be a sport. No sport. Not a sport. Agreed. No. We've then got darts. Oh, sport. 
Oh, okay. They've got a board in the West End Brewery. It's definitely a sport. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nothing, nothing's a sport at the West End Brewery. <laughs> trying, trying to get to that dart that uh, sport is a sport in itself. It's impossible. It You've got to wait for ages and just try and like, <laughs> same with the pool table. Anyway, yeah. uh, table tennis. Oh, sport. Oh, snooker. Sport. Uh, gymnastics. Sport. I only said yes to snooker because I was trying to be an athlete because I play a bit now and again. <laughs> <laughs> okay, lawn bowls. A sport, yeah. Just. Archery. Sport, yeah. Syn- synchronized swimming. Who's doing that in lockdown? In the paddling pool. <laughs> the paddling pool. It's a bloody big. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, sport. Fishing. Ooh. No, that, no, that's not a sport. Good. <laughs> Thank God for that. <laughs> yeah. And then finally, we've, we've literally had a question in whilst we've just been finishing up, saying, have you, have you seen the Michael Vaughan portrait in, uh, at Lords and how bad is it? Um, have I, I, yeah, I'll probably walk past it. But no, I haven't, say, I haven't taken notice of it. There's okay. so many... There's so many bloody portraits hanging up there, you know. It's difficult. It's, it's, it's well worth it. When I had the guided tour, the guy actually said to me, stop, look at that. All right. It is without doubt the worst portrait you've ever seen. It's worth having a look. It's a portrait of Michael Vaughan, and he looks like this weird, like zombie style. It's just odd. It's definitely go and dig it out. It's worth a look. Uh, I'll, I'll go in today and have a look, maybe, yeah. Take a photo of it, and then tweet it out. You're not like, you're not... No one takes photos in the lo- in the. Oh, right. You're not allowed. You're not allowed. Oh, right. That's not allowed. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Sorry about that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Uncoosed> <laughs> to me. <laughs> I'll, I'll delete the one I've got then. Yeah. <laughs> right, and just finally, Carl, before before we let you go, um, we're asking all our guests if they will name or nominate, should I say, uh, someone which they think either in the realm of well, in the realm of sport, within cricket, or another sport that you think would be good value to speak to on the pod? Who would you like to see on the pod in, in a future episode? So can you think of anyone? Who are you going to get access to? Anyone, obviously, you know. Yeah, um, we, we can, but ask. Famous pod, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, have you done Sean Irvine yet? Who cross over golf and cricket? Yeah, no, that has been suggested, actually. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and local he, boy. He's probably my favourite cricketer as well. So he, Yeah? We always, we always had a good laugh. Well, he... I don't drink Guinness, and he, he couldn't understand an Irishman who didn't drink Guinness. So. Yeah, nor can I. He'd, re- he'd regularly, well, I do now and again, but not very often. Uh, he'd regularly send me pictures of him drinking a pint of Guinness or something, you know. Um, yeah, so maybe Slug. Slug, and he's, he's good value as well, to be fair. Yeah, good stuff. I have, I've actually seen him in the West End Brewery not so long ago before. Yeah. <laughs> so next time we're in there, we might ask him. No, thanks yeah. for that, Carl. And thanks so much for your time today. Really enjoyed that chat. No, you're more than welcome. I enjoyed it. Now, thank you ever so much. It's been really interested. I'm loving, I'm loving the questions that are coming in. It's great. <laughs> Still. Lovely, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to do another one later in the season when, when cricket actually starts. Yeah, yeah. No worries. No worries. All Cheers, right. mate. Cheers. Thank you. Cheers. Very much. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Cheers, Carl. All the best, mate. Bye.